this morning, as we come to God's Word in chapter 11 of the book of Matthew, it's when kingdoms collide. Uh, it's when Jesus presents himself as different as one to be followed. If you'd stand in honor of God's Word, I'd like to read to you the first six verses of the book of Matthew. God's Word says this, When Jesus had finished instructing His twelve disciples, He went on from there to teach and preach in the cities, in their cities. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by His disciples and said to Him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered him, Go and tell John, what you hear and see, the blind receive sight and the lame walk, lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, and the dead were raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. God, I ask your blessing on your word. I ask that Jesus would be lifted up in this time that we would look to Him, that we would not cling to our own plan, our own kingdom. And God, do Your work in us now, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. <coughs> um, sometimes the Word of God is a little abrupt for us. And it's not necessarily written in storyline like we would like it. Um, and in chapter 1 of the, uh, chapter 11, verse 1, Matthew gives us a somewhat abrupt transition to something different. And we've been looking at, in the times past, and uh, I think we are in June, uh, we were last in the book of Matthew, that Jesus was instructing His disciples. And we get this one little verse that transitions us. It says, When Jesus had finished instructing His twelve disciples, He went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. And all it is is a, a transition for Jesus focusing on the twelve to now going about uh, preaching and teaching. Uh, he uses some words here, instructing the twelve disciples. He is discipling the disciples. He's instructing on them on who he is and what this looks like going on from here. And then it says that he went on from there to teach and preach. I think about the teaching and the preaching of Jesus. And in the scripture, it talks about this over and over again, this idea of teaching and preaching. Um, and there. They're somewhat the same, but they're somewhat different. Uh, when you think of teaching, uh, when you think of teaching, when Jesus is teaching, he, he he's not just educating them. It's corrective teaching, and it, it's that kingdoms collide thing where he, as he is instructing them, he is showing them that they're wrong, but he's not being unkind about it. He's showing them the the right way so that they might be drawn away from their wrong ways, what they already think in their mind, uh, so that they might live a different way. I want to tell you, uh, most of us here today aren't in school anymore. And we like it. And we like it. 
we loved graduation day and we said, oh, I'm done. And now I now I've uh, arrived and I don't have to learn anymore. But I want to tell you, even as we talked about last week, coming to the word of God is constantly teaching us. And it's not teaching us what we've already known so that we can feel smart about ourselves. And I've been right all along. It's corrective teaching. It's the idea of drawing us away from our wrong answers so that we would follow in the mind of Christ. That we would not, uh, we would abandon our wrong ways. The things we may have done for 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 plus years wrong. And God wants to show us a different way. And that's His compassion as He teaches us. And also the word uh, preaching, uh, to proclaim. It's the idea to, to proclaim, but it's proclaim to action. Proclaim to action. It's that they might move and that they might repent and that they might change. This is what Jesus was doing. This is as He went throughout the cities. He was teaching and preaching. He was correcting them, but He was also calling them to action. And as I think about Bear Valley Church, that's our desire here as well. I realize that um, I'm not Jesus. Uh, That's ridiculous to even say. Um, But this is our desire, is that through the teaching of God's Word, that we would be corrected on the right path. We would be abandoned our wrong ways. And that through the preaching of His Word, through the proclamation, that there would be change happening in us uh, throughout. And, and when I say throughout, I'm talking about this time. I'm talking about uh, the first graders, wherever in the world they are right now, in one of those classrooms over there. Uh, I'm talking about our adult Bible fellowships, our youth, that we would be ones who are constantly being drawn away from, from our wrong answers and changed in our inner man. That's what was going on. That's what Jesus was doing. And in the midst of that, we see doubting John. Doubting John. Uh, John the Baptist does not get called the doubter. uh, But in this passage, you have... It's hard to discern exactly what was in the mind of John. But he asked this question, if you look down in verse 2. John was in prison. It says this, Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, said to Jesus, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? We see uh, John in prison, and we don't know exactly why he's in prison, but we connect it most likely with his proclamation of him being the forerunner, the, the voice crying in the wilderness that you remember as, as you think prior to Jesus being the, the one that is identified, that John the Baptist was out there and he was drawing crowds to himself, explaining to them. And, and he was uh, not like the Jews. He just wasn't. There wasn't a bunch of fanfare to it. There wasn't a bunch of elegance. There wasn't... Uh, the finery of clothing, of foods, and and in the temple. It wasn't some big show. It was a simple message uh, that they needed. That they needed to change a, a message of repentance. And at that time, you see John identifying Jesus as being the Lamb. 
And so from that time to this time, you don't know how long that has been. Now John's in prison, most likely from some of his uh, ministry that he has done. He is in prison and probably in a prison that we can't imagine. Uh, probably a very difficult scenario. Probably dirty, probably lacking food, probably uh, needing medical attention, probably being treated like an animal. And as John sits in that cell and he contemplates, he gets one of his disciples to come and he says, go to Jesus, go to Jesus and ask him, is he the one? Is he the Messiah? Is he the one we are to trust in and follow? Is he the king? Or should we look for another? As John shares this, uh, it's somewhat bothersome to me as I I think about it. I go, well, wouldn't John have known? Wouldn't John have known the answer to this? Was there a sense where in that prison cell it was so difficult that he was starting to waver? We don't really know. We just know his question. And so as we look to this, we know this one thing that John is looking for positive ID that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the King. Um, You look back uh, to chapter 9, you can see uh, the section where John's disciples came to Jesus and they wondered about fasting. And so there was... Apparently, this transition of following after John the Baptist to wondering if Jesus is the one we now follow. And so they were looking for positive ID. I'd like to say it like this. John was looking for a king. John was looking for a king. And he wasn't just looking for a king. He was looking for the king. And I I look at that and I go, whether John was doubting or not or or where he was at, I love the idea that he is wanting to know, wanting to know, is he the king? Is this the one that I should follow or should I look for another? John was looking for the one who he was to turn the keys over to, keys of his life. He says, I... You know, I'm I'm looking. Are you the one that I'm to turn my life over, to turn the keys over to my decisions? Are are you the one that I should bow to? Are you the one that I should serve for the rest of my days? As I look at that, um, I find it different than most of us struggle with life and interaction with Jesus. I've said this before, but most of us have this attitude of God should bless my mess. I should decide what I want to do. And then I call upon him to come in and bless what I've already decided. This is what the way I want it, God. This is what I choose. And you are, if you're a good God, you come in and you bless me in that. And yet John was looking uh, for the one to follow Most of us have the attitude, God, give me what I want. Give me what I want. Or maybe even this, that uh, God, you you have to somehow fit into the life that I'm already living. John the Baptist, as he 
called and was wondering, he was wondering if he was the king, the one, the special one. John was looking and waiting and hoping, and I'll even say it this way, he was needing a king, needing a king. That's where we sit this morning, needing a king, needing someone over us, needing someone to be our provider, needing someone to direct us every moment of the day. My fear for us this morning is we don't feel needy. They say, oh, I don't need a king. I'm smart. I don't need a king. I'm accomplished. I don't need a king. You know, I'm educated and well-read. Yet John, as he sat in prison, he was wondering and hoping, looking for and needing. Not just a king, but the king. And he asked if Jesus was the one. So we look at verse 4 to see Jesus answer to him. And this is Jesus' way. I just want to say it. It's not the only way he does it, but many times he does it this way. People ask him a question and he points to something else. He doesn't say just yes or no. He doesn't give a long speech, but he points to what has been done. He points to the evidence. He points to the testimony, not of himself, but of other people. And so as Jesus uh, says, says to his disciples, just tell what happened. Be a witness. Show the evidence. Sounds like they're having a good time in uh, twos and threes over there. It's okay. It's okay. It's what kids do. Um, it says in verse 4, And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. And what was it that they were supposed to hear and see? Verse 5, The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. If you look back to the prior chapters of Jesus going from place to place, you see him doing these miracles that only he could do. In fact, as you look to the Old Testament, uh, there aren't these type of miracles. Uh, these are exceptional. These are, these are different. And Jesus shows himself to be God come in the flesh and the king over all by these uh, miracles that he does. And so as John's disciples come, he says, well, tell them. You've seen them. You know people who have seen them. Go give the evidence. Go give the evidence to John in prison. Go tell him what's been seen. Go tell him what's been done. And these are not things, simple things. Uh, The raising of the dead is not simple. Lepers who have been outcast and marked maybe their whole lives and that they would be cleansed and been okay to be, that, that, that would have been different, something that no one did. The idea of those who are blind that they would now see and those who are lame that would be walking now. These are different. But he also has one peculiar thing in this list in verse 5. And I didn't read it yet. It says, and the poor have good news preached to them. The poor have good news preached to them. Now the Jews, as they uh, followed after God in their own way, and their own rules, and their own religiosity... One of the big things that they did was 
they loved fine things. They loved extravagant sacrifice. And there was a sense of you were good by how much you could give or how your clothes looked or, or these other things. And so there was a sense of affluence made you better. It was a sense where those who are following after God would give more. It was a, a sense where if you're good in your life, you will have money, you will have stuff. And those are the people who truly are blessed by God. And he tells us this one thing. Jesus says, go tell John, go tell John that the good news is being preached to those who are poor. And as John would have heard that, he would have gone, that's different. That's different. Because what can the poor bring to the community of God's people? Nothing. Not a sense where as they pass the plate, they can put a lot in. Their life is a mess because of their poverty. And Jesus says, tell them that the good news is being preached to them as well. This isn't necessarily the good news of Jesus. We we see this uh, being used later as Jesus uh, has already gone to the cross. But the good news of the kingdom, that they are being included, the hand is being extended to them as well, without cost, without cost. And so Jesus tells them, go tell John, this is what, this is who I am. This is my identification of the one to come. Now, I've shared this with you before, but who do you want to be a part of this church? The rich people or the poor people? The people who have it all together or the people who don't have it all together? Don't answer, it's a trick question. I want to tell you that this church is open to all, open to all. Uh, but, but I want to tell you that just because someone has money and they can comb their hair well and put on some nice clothing doesn't mean they have it all all right on the inside. In fact, I'm confident of this, that none of us have it all right on the inside. None of us, apart from Jesus. And so as we come, we all are beggars. We all are are the ones who are in poverty. And I think about when we think differently of ourselves, when we go, no, 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 that's not me. That's not me. Um, You're delusional. (laughs) Okay? You're living, you're not living in reality. Okay? Might be able to be certified, right? Uh, You don't get it. You don't get it. Because we all need Jesus. We all do. There's not a single one here this morning who says, I'm self-sufficient. I'm a self-made man or woman. I can handle life on my own. No, you can't. You say, well, I've done pretty good thus far. I said, look out. Look out. Because it's coming. You see, when, when kings, kingdoms collided for the, the Jewish people as Jesus came, he wasn't what they thought. 
He, he wasn't how, how they expected. They, they expected him to come and set things up and make them wealthy and everyone come and bow and they would be powerful. And this is the way it's going to happen. And Jesus did not do that. He didn't do that. He came and he says, I'm going to do things my way. I'm going to preach to the poor. I'm going to preach to those who are are messed up. I'm going to include them and ask them to come and to join. I'm going to change people's lives so that they might be marked by me. And so Jesus tells what has happened. That he is the one who has done the miracles, but he has also allowed the poor to receive the message. As we look at this, you say, oh, that's good. Some of you say, well, that's good. Jesus is different. It is good that he's different. But as we look at this, he goes on in verse 6, and he warns them about himself. This is what he says. And so, so Jesus has shared, go tell his disciples, I've done these miracles, and also tell them that the poor... The poor have received this message. And then in verse 6, he says this, And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Blessed is the one. Jesus tells them the way to the happy and blessed life. And you look at this and you go, that sounds like one of the Beatitudes. It's kind of in that similar uh, format. And he says, happy or blessed is the, the one who is not offended or tripped up by me. This this word used in here that's translated in the English Standard Bible, offended, is the same word that's used in chapter 5, verse 29 and 30. And it's it's a passage, it says this, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out. Or, Or if your right eye causes you to be tripped up, tear it out and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members then your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin or uh, trips you up into sinning, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better to lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. Jesus is now pointing to himself and saying, don't be tripped up by me. Don't be offended by the way I am your king. Don't be offended by my reign, the way I'm doing things. And and we're struggling with this concept. Oh, I'm not offended by Jesus. And I was thinking about it and going, yeah, I kind of am. And, and how am I? How am I? It goes like this. So here I am setting up my life, setting up my life. I like this here. I like this here. I don't really like that. I don't really like this. I don't like to eat sushi. So throw that out. And I'm getting my life the way I want it. And it's all about me getting the way I, way I want it. And I come to Jesus and he says, he looks at my life, the things that I love. And he says, oh, you don't need that. That, that. that was my favorite thing. And you just threw it out. And Jesus says, you don't need it. You don't need it. In fact, I, I'm going to rearrange some things, some things you may think you don't like. I'm going to put in the center of your life. And some other things that you think that is so important to you and it's making you happy, I'm going to chuck them out. And you say, that's offensive to me. Some of you are saying right now, I, 
used this phrase. I can't believe in a Jesus. I will not follow Jesus if this is true. Or if that's true. See, I picture the way Jesus... If I were king, I'd do it like this. And if Jesus is a good king, he'd do it like I would do it. Jesus says, I want to tell you the way to the happy and blessed life. It's not you getting what you want. It's not you getting what you want. It's that you would trust unreservedly in me. That you'd hand over the keys to your life. That you would hand over your schedule, your time, your money, your future, your everything. The things that you love, the things that you hate. You'd hand it over to him and say, arrange it how you wish. Jesus says to John. And and so so the way I picture this happening, I, I don't know if I have it exactly right. The Jews hated the way Jesus came in and was king. I mean, they, they, it bothered them. They considered Jesus a problem because they liked fine clothes. They liked good meals. They liked the finery of life. And, and so, so Jesus says, you know, that, that's, that's not what I'm about. And they're like, uh, he's not for us. He's not for us. We, we won't follow him. And even now, John the Baptist, the possibility that Jesus, John the Baptist had in his mind, this is what Jesus should do. And somehow it wasn't connecting with John. And, and John says, Jesus says to him, and this one last thing, blessed is the one who is not offended or tripped up by me. Just let me be who I am. Jesus says, I'm the king. Let me be who I am. And you be my subject. And it's good for you. That word blessed, uh, we talked about this as we went through uh, the Beatitudes. It's the idea of the happy life. The happy life. It's the idea of the having the good life. It's even used in the Old Testament. It's the idea that that's the life that's to be envied. It's the one where others will look and go, man, I want to be like them. Well, what is that? That you would not be offended by the moves of Jesus. That you would not be tripped up by them. That you would willingly embrace the plan of Christ. Um, So this message is all about what do you do with Jesus? What do you do do with Jesus? What is Jesus to you? And not that we can have Jesus be whatever we want, but what kind of relationship do you have with him? Is it one where you just want to do whatever you want and you want him to come behind you and bless it? I want to tell you that's not going to happen. That's going to be a frustrating life for you. But I want to, I want to encourage you, turn over the keys. Turn over the keys to Jesus. Give up your plan. Give up your plan. Submit your desires to Him. Jesus, this is what I want to do, but I want to do what you want to do. And lastly, it's a byproduct of these things. Enjoy His blessings. Because out of that life that acknowledges Him as King, enjoy the blessings that come from His hand. There's no other way.
I know we struggle with this. I know this is not just one of us here this morning. But as we go through life, as we go even through this week, to ask the question, am I just trying to set up things for myself? Or am I really looking to my king to tell me what to do, where to go, how much time to spend there, what to spend there, how to serve? Asking these questions that acknowledges that Jesus is my king. Let's pray. Before we, before we pray, I just want to encourage you. Um, the response to God's preaching is not just to think that's nice, but to willingly throw your life to Him and change. I want to encourage you, if you don't have Him as the King of your life, if He is not your Savior and Lord, that you take these moments here um, and just cry out to Him and turn over those keys to Him of your life. God, thank You for this morning. Uh, Thank You for Your goodness and Your grace to us. Thank You for Your patience. God, I ask that we would uh, not have our own picture of Jesus, but we would see him as the king of creation, the king of uh, who came to this earth, who did miracles, um, who preached both to the rich and to the poor. And the one who alone deserves the spot of king in our lives. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. You are dismissed.